Hello, everybody. This is Carrie here with your bi-weekly edition of the Unicorn Company podcast. Let's start off with some news. First, we have the compilation book, No Greater Honor, which condenses the entire Iridani Light Horse anthology. This book is $5.99 as an e-publication or $14.95 as a print-on-demand product. Also, the core books are all on a new printing. This includes a ninth printing of Total Warfare and a fourth printing of Alpha Strike Commander's Edition. Both have been updated with the latest errata. We also have reprints of Tech Manual, Strategic Operations, Campaign Operations, and the Battle Mech Manual. Each book is $14.99 as a PDF and $39.99 as a print and PDF product. Um, I'm including an update in the raffle on the raffle in the news here to benefit the Trevor Project. As of now, we've already raised nearly $200 for the charity. We have also received the support of several companies and independent 3D sculptors. I want to give them a shout out. Aries Games and Minis, Death Ray Designs, and Fortress Games and Minis for providing a number of miniatures. Some of these will be painted for the unit, and quite a few of the force packs, posters, and dice will be used as raffle prizes. We also have a large number of very talented artists on board, including a few commission painters and a couple camo specs artists. Our 3D sculptors who have joined us are Ion Raptor, who has given us permission to print off some of his models for the raffle, and 2500 KGM3, who has his Sprawl Under Siege series of buildings featured on Hardware Studios' website, who's letting us use some of his work. I'm sure I'm missing some sponsors somewhere, and I'll make sure to thank them all at some point. If you'd like a chance to win one of the many fantastic prizes or the grand prize of a Clan Novacat G Galaxy combined arms unit, go to the Trevor Project website and make a donation of at least $5. Once you get your confirmation email, forward that to trevorbtraffle at gmail.com and you will receive a confirmation. Every $5 you donate gets you another entry. Finally, I wanted to let you know that this podcast's sponsor, Mift Kitty Minis, has moved to a new home at miftkittyminis.bigcartel.com. There's a lot of new stuff coming soon, so go ahead and check them out. So let's get into our main topic today, the Striker slash Cavalry Lance and the Pursuit Lance. If there's enough time, we'll also get into the Assault Lance as well. Starting with the Striker or Cav Lance formation, I'm just going to call it Cav Lance from here on out. It has two variants, both with slightly different requirements. All of them have the same benefit though, so we'll take we'll talk about that real quick. The bonus ability of the Cavalry Lance is that 75% of the Lance rounded normally, gain the Speed Demon SPA. This ability adds two inches to a unit's movement and four inches to its sprinting. This doesn't change the unit's target movement modifier and as far as I know, affects all movement um, modes excluding aerospace. So let's look at the requirements for the base lance. First, we have the standard cavalry lance. The requirements for this formation are all units in a cav lance must have a minimum ground movement of 10 inches or a jump of 8 inches. No units in a striker or cav lance 
may be size four or above, and at least 50% must be a striker or skirmisher. The ideal role for this is a skirmisher, and the variations are the light cav lance, in which all units must be must move at least 10 inches, none can be size three or higher, and two members must be strikers or skirmishers, and two units must have a long range attack greater than zero. The other variant is the heavy version. In this variant, all units must move at least eight inches, can't read my notes. I want to say three of the units must be size three, no units smaller than size two, and at least one has to have a long range attack greater than one. The light version almost seems overly redundant as you can build it in the confines of the standard version. The heavy version, on the other hand, has some possibilities. For example, take a 10 inch heavy, pair it with two eight inch heavies and an eight inch assault, now they all move 10 inches. After the striker cav lance, we have the pursuit lance. This lance also has two variants, the probe lance and the sweep lance. All three have the same bonus ability, in this case, bloodstalker. With bloodstalker, the unit with it chooses an enemy at the start of the game. They receive a minus one to their target number for attacks against that enemy and all other targets get a plus two to the target number when attacking them. Also, as an option, the entire formation can choose a single enemy formation as their chosen enemy. So all of them are, that whole formation has this other formation as its chosen enemy. For the standard pursuit lance, you need to hit the following requirements. All units, size two or less, 75% must have movement of 12 or more, and at least one unit must have a medium of attack of greater than one. The ideal role for this lance is a skirmisher. <clears throat> the probe lance requires everyone to move 10 inches, be size three or less, and do at least two damage at medium range. So pretty much they're a heavier version of the Pursuit Lance. And then finally, the Sweep Lance requires all units move at least 10 inches, be size two or smaller, and do at least two damage at short range. So pretty much a close range brawling unit. Um, a light brawling unit, medium to light, but yeah. There isn't much to say here though, as it makes you, you know, it makes you good at attacking specific units but a good opponent will try to do their best to keep those units away from that lance or, or star that formation. So, I mean, looking at how quickly we've covered both of these, I think we can go ahead and squeeze in the assault lance. This lance has one additional uh, variant, the fast assault lance. So the assault lance requirements are at least three units, size three or greater, no size one units. All units must have an armor value of five points. And I guess I should say at least five points. And 75% of the unit must have a medium range attack of three or greater. 
Also, there must be at least one Juggernaut or two Snipers in the Lance. The ideal role for this Lance is Juggernaut, so if you just take four of any Juggernauts, you, or five or six, depending on if you're Inner Sphere, Clan, or Constar, you automatically meet the requirements. The bonus ability is at the beginning of play, the control, controlling player picks either Demoralizer or Multitasker. Um, each turn, half the units are assigned this ability. Destroyed or retreated units do not count towards that number. Uh, Demoralizer is pretty devastating as it causes any unit that comes within 6 inches to roll 2d6. On an 8 or less, that unit reduces their target movement modifier and movement by half. Um, rounded down and have a plus one to their target number when attacking the demoralizer. Uh, multitasker, on the other hand, lets you split fire when using single dice rolls, um, or if you're using multiple attack rolls, it allows the unit to ignore the plus one target number for a secondary target, which admittedly has its uses. The fast assault lance, which is the variant, has the same requirements as as the assault lance with the addition that all units must either have a movement of 10 inches or a jump value of any distance to qualify um, as a bonus ability you get the standard assault lance ability plus up to two units in the formation may receive the stand aside special pilot ability this unit may move through enemy units at the cost of one additional inch and is immune to the movement limiting abilities of the zone of control special command ability. So this is pretty useful as you could stack demoralizer and stand aside on one unit, walk through an enemy unit, reduce their TMM by half and set them up for a ton of incoming fire from your friendly units. It also makes you, excuse me, have to turn a page. Um, it also makes you impervious to being boxed in. So nobody can like surround you with three units and then you can't go anywhere because you can just walk through them if you need to. So, I mean, that looks like all the formations that we're going to be covering. Um, I know there are some in the, uh, the two books that came out, Mercenaries and Karita, but we're not really going to go into those at this point. Um, I kind of wish they had put out like a little omnibus, at least with all the special abilities for each house and yeah, but they didn't. So generally those kind of get left alone. Um, personally, if there was anything I would change, it would have been with the, where is it? I want to say it's the cav the light cavalry lance. I would have probably done something different to make like a... One that, one that gets the, instead of getting, what's it called, um, Speed Demon, they get uh, Jumping Jack, which makes you way better at jumping and shooting, and is an awesome ability, and I really love it. But there's no formations that give it, and since me and, you know, me and the other local players generally play with formations, yeah, it just, it's not something that really is going to come into, you know... We'd have to agree to let, let us use it. <laughs> um, so, what I wanted to talk about is, in my little, my little ramble that I normally have in between this and the mech tech, is, um, well, I can't go too deep into it, because my laptop decided to crash, so I don't have access to it as 
cleanly as I would like, where I can just go ahead and, you know, tell you stuff. But <clears throat> the uh, Empires of Flame um, is, is what I wanted to talk about. And Empires of Flame, I have some notes, and the rest of it's going to be off of memory, so I do apologize. But pretty much what it is, it is a supplement that came out in for it was like a halloween supplement for battletech which is where they get really interesting in like april fools and halloween because that's when you have like um the nebula california stuff free saint ives um castle wolfensteiner the war of the tripods you get some really interesting things so one of those things obviously was this book called empires of flame and the general gist of it is that instead of Kerensky taking the Star League Defense Force out away from the Inner Sphere after the, uh, the Star League Civil War, he gets assassinated. And um, General De Chevalier, De, I cannot pronounce his name, De Chevalier, ah, forget it, his top man, um, goes and says, you know what, no, we're staying here and creates the Terran supremacy, which occupies a lot of the old hegemony worlds. Now, this is an alternate universe that's technically not canon, but it starts off, the, the book starts off canon, becomes non-canon, which I don't know how to explain that, but it's just what it does. But yeah, so... Pretty much what happens, there's a misjump, these people end up in this alternate universe, and one of the things that happens because of that is that there is no clan technology. There, there's none to speak of, because the clans didn't happen, so you didn't have this huge branch off in technology where the inner sphere and the clans have this separate thing. Um... And quite frankly, the Terran supremacy takes up most of, you know, it takes up more space than the hegemony did. Um, and it's quite big, actually. So, I actually made a whole scripted thing and I just kind of went right past it. Um, so, the, the character art in this book is kind of interesting um it depicts everyone it can with like the star trek inspired mirror universe goatee and mustaches um, but it does explore an interesting what if so like i said the old terran hegemony became the Terran supremacy and it made massive inroads into all four of the successor states. Um, we'll get to that. So starting on the coreward side of the map, anti-spinward, you have the Laren Commonwealth. Nothing's changed there as far as names. Uh, going clockwise, you have the Draconis Combine. Once again, nothing really changed. They do have possession of New Avalon, but the borders are way different. Especially when we get to the next one, the Confederated Sons. Um, because 
he didn't have the the link between the Larens and the Federated Commonwealth, or sorry, the Federated Sons, um, to allow the Steiner Davian. <sighs> sorry about that. To allow the Steiner Davian thing to happen. Um, yeah, so you end up with uh, Steiner or sorry Davian Lau. Um, then you have the Free Worlds League, which is split into two factions, the Inner Worlds and the Outer Worlds. And that is the people who support the Halas family and the people that support the Merrick family. Um, in the periphery, you have the Rim Federation, wedged between the Lyran Commonwealth and the Free Worlds League Outer Worlds. Uh, counterclockwise, you then you have the Magistry of Taurus, which runs the entire Rimward side of the Inner Sphere. Um, and finally, the Outworlds Pact, I believe it was called, with what has to be the longest world named ever, which is Dunkelwalder Dunkelflussenschattenwelt. I think I pronounced that right. Or when I ran it through Google, uh, Google Translate, the Dark Forest, Earth, Dark River, Shadow World. Kind of makes you wonder about that one, and I'm, I'm curious. I... <sighs> I would love to see, like, I would love to see more of the history of this thing. Um, in the alternate universe, clan technology, like I said, doesn't exist and is possibly introduced by the player group that ends up in this alternate universe. Um, and all of what you see is industry designs from the royal units in the, the Terran supremacy to cutting edge clan, or sorry, intersphere uh, machines. Since there is no clan tech, this actually seems like an awesome way to move the timeline forward for players who don't like the clans. This is literally a source book for them. I mean, you could play games just excluding clan goodies and run campaigns in an untouched sandbox. I mean, of course, there is the ability to use this for competitive play as an Empires of Flame format, allowing only inner sphere technology. Um, you can do that for Battletech or Alpha Strike. And honestly, this makes me think like a format like that would be awesome um, at around like the 450 to 500 point level with formations. You just limit it to one of any formation type, including any variants. So you can only have one battle lance of any kind, one cavalry lance of any kind, one probe, so, so forth. Um, <clears throat> you know, and I do like the idea of playing in that sandbox. And I might actually see about approaching some people about doing maybe a Empires of Flame, um, not like a street standard campaign, but something campaign-like. So, yeah, um, it's an it's an interesting little it's an interesting little little book. It's free. You can get it on Drive Through RPG. Um, you just t go there, type in Empires of Flame, it'll pull it right up. It's a zero cost download, and it's one of the one of the more interesting ones that Catalyst put out as far as their, their zero cost downloads. Because a lot of them, a lot of their April Fools and their Halloween stuff is very, very gimmicky, and I get it, it's supposed to be fun, you know, no big deal. Um, with the Empires of Flame thing, 
this looks like it could actually be a viable alternative setting for the game um, that is untouched by the clans and led to this whole different... They give you a timeline and everything. It's, there's a lot of stuff that happened and a lot of the same characters pop up, but it's kind of the same characters. Like Certain people genetically just would not exist, so like you ended up with Victor Focht. Um, instead of Victor Steiner Davian, and, uh, yeah, you know, especially after the, because you don't have the clan invasion, because you have this giant power in the center of the inner sphere, and none of these houses can reasonably destroy one another, it, it gets interesting, you know, and like the, the, the Torrens have a huge, huge chunk of the 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 spin word or sorry the brimward side of the inner sphere eaten up from all the three houses well two houses now but you know what i mean um the outworld's pact is massive they apparently became militaristic instead of pacifistic the rim the the rim i can't remember the name of it now but the remnant of the rim worlds was because the chevalier the chevalier God, I cannot pronounce his name. Um, the Chevalier, I think is how you pronounce it. Anyway, he went and because Zalaren started gobbling up the the Rimworld's Republic, and he went and said, um, "No, if you keep doing that, we're going to go put you know put a boot up your butt." Because he figured having a friendly satellite state would be a nice thing to have. I don't know how you know. Um, certain other factions are missing too, like the Marian Hegemony. Um, the reason for that, and same with the Neops Associ Association, however you pronounce it, uh, they were absorbed by the Outer Free Worlds League. Um, you know, so, and there's no Rosalog Republic because there was no comp started to say, hey, you all might want a buffer state. And yeah, so a lot of stuff that happened in the main timeline just didn't happen. And you end up with this interesting new timeline that kind of harkens back to the old 1980s game in that you have these stagnant borders that are just not moving and it's going to be a lot of small fights um small mercenary units are a thing here because of the fact that you just don't have the you know it's hard to explain and i mean in fact i'm sitting here like part of me is looking at my Star League Defense Force mechs and thinking, you know, I could totally use these um, as Terran Supremacy and see if I can't get something going at, you know, like maybe some kind of league or something like that where there's a map that changes and yeah, you know, just no clans, you know? So that's something I might propose to my local players, see what they want to do, see if they think it's interesting. Well, semi-local because it's like two hours away. Um, but yeah, also, before I get into today's mech tech, I wanted to let my subscribers know who are at the highest levels um, where, you're, where you're receiving merchandise from me. I apologize you haven't received that yet. Uh, it will be going out this, uh, this upcoming week or this week. I do need to let you know that because my computer is down, which means I can't do 3d printing of certain things i was just going to print cure and send the malthus summoners um instead i will you'll be getting if you get one you get two mechs if you get 
if you're on the the Formac tier, you're gonna get like six, um, and they're gonna be other things. But next month we'll definitely be putting out the Malta Summoner, and um, hopefully soon I'll have. Uh, well, I mean, I have a bunch of stuff. Like I think next month is a Malta Summoner, and it's probably also like the month after that I have a new Black Knight. Um, well, it's not a Black Knight; it's a it's a Mordred, but it's it's a Black Knight. Um, you know, get that out to everybody, or maybe next month I will send out these right here and i'm about to tell you what these are um what today's mech tech is so first of all it is brought to you today by miffed kitty minis go ahead and check them out at miffedkittyminis.bigcartel.com um today's mech tech is actually about a vehicle in particular the sekhmet assault vehicle which was meant for anything but assault so after the second combine dominion war the novacats found themselves in a position of being confined in the iris prefecture in cultural preservation districts pretty much slums um feeling slighted and like they needed to protect themselves they designed the segment for this task um, built around a 260 extra light engine the segment has a cruising speed of 43 kilometers an hour um, the lightweight engine allows the segment to, to dedicate almost 80 percent of its 65 ton weight to armor and weapons payload uh, for protection, it has 14 tons of ferrofibrous armor. In its turret, it carries two large pulse lasers, giving it very accurate fire in all directions. And in its forward arc, it mounts a pair of SRM-6 launchers with two tons of ammunition and a pair of anti-personnel Gauss rifles with a ton of ammunition to defend against infantry. While it has assault in the name, the vehicle excels at defensive operations capable of hunkering down and hitting targets with precisely laid firepower it receives the distribution received wide distribution as the novacats were willing to sell to anyone um and it's in use all over known space the segment is in service with most great houses and even a couple of the of other clans um the battle value of the segment is 1606 so if we take a look at the Alpha Strike stats, the Sekhmet is a decent defensive vehicle. Um, it's type combat vehicle, size 3, target movement modifier of 1, 8 inches of movement, tracked, brawler, uh, si uh, short and medium are both 5, long is 3, armor is 9, structure 4, so it has 13 combined armor structure, um, has specials of case, search for searchlight srm of 22 turret of 333 and it has a point value of 41 so it's rather affordable actually i mean all things considered and while it's not particularly fast it does provide consistent firepower at short medium range brackets and also with that srm ability it can use a variety of special munitions meaning that you can give it the heat ability essentially at short and medium range uh, for two. So while there's not an official model for it yet, Mift Kitty Minis does have the Sunslayer tank, which was modeled by Dijon Lewis Advanced Weapons, and it makes a great proxy for the Sekhmet. Um, that's about it. So before I close out, you know, this is actually going to be a 30 minute long episode, which is interesting, but hey, uh, didn't have much to rant about. <laughs> uh, 
Um, of course, my source material is sort of locked behind a thing that I can't get into. So that doesn't help me. And trying to do it on my phone while I'm using my phone to record is also not going to be so awesome at all. So uh, hopefully I got this all in the first take because I really don't want to sit here and record for 30 more minutes. I do hope that all of you did enjoy this episode today. Um, If you want to help support the podcast, go ahead and check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash unicorn company. If you want to help us in a more roundabout way, go ahead and check out Miss Kitty Minis. Um, There's new stuff getting put up there all the time, and quite frankly, they're awesome sculpts. So, yeah, uh, that's about it for tonight. I hope that everybody has a great day, great evening, great whatever it is where you are. This is Carrie signing off.